Howdy, everybody. I really like the way you do I know I do. you do. I do. I, I live for that moment. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. we can just keep doing it the just, whole just podcast. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Make me happy. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. Yes, it is. And this week, we're going to be discussing a horror film. Let me, let me say that again in my horror voice. This week on Money Shot, Robert and Ira discuss... A horror film. No, no. Do that, those same words in the cartoon voice that you do at the very beginning. <laughs> Howdy, everybody. Robert and I are going to be discussing a horror film. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about Split. But before we do, how about a little listener email? Oh, feedback yeah. from all of our fans. Yeah. Now, I haven't shared these with Ira, no, but no, some of these haven't. are pretty funny. Okay, let's hear. We want to thank you guys for sending in emails. Uh, it's great to hear from you. Some of you guys have some really interesting opinions, and I like sharing them with Ira. Um, but this first reader, or first listener, says, um, how many times are you going to say the N-word? <laughs> like he wants more? I don't know. That's all it really said. So... Uh, I'm not sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I'm assuming bad. Mm. Uh, Similar, another listener said, y'all better be black if you're going to say that shit. Robert, do you want to respond to that comment? No, I'm waiting for you. It's all yours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're about as white as they come. Yeah. Uh, This person, this was just a vague comment. It just says, I agree with both of you. About? I have no idea. About what? I don't know. That's just what it said. I, I agree with both of you. Are, are critiquing the film? Are, are use of the N-word? What, what's he referring to? I, he. I, look how I assumed it's he. That was kind of sexist to me. It's not necessarily a he. I could look up and find out, mm. but I don't. I just pulled, right. I just pulled the, the content. This yeah. is non-gendered uh, language. It's just a, just, just content. Hmm. Uh, this one says, I don't know which sucks more. Robert's endless blabbing, the girl's shaky voice, or the other guy's stammering. I'll listen to every episode. <laughs> uh, stammering? That's what it stammering? says. Stammering? That's what it says. Are you offended by the stammering? Just a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what I thought was funny is that they knew my name, but they didn't know yours or Rocio's. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. I like the comments more last the week yeah. before. I think this one says, you guys read my email on the air. Thank you. And thanks for doing such God work. That's, <laughs> that's, that's very God. funny. Yeah. That's very funny. Yeah. yeah. We're doing God's work. Uh, this is an interesting question. It says, are you going to review any non-theater movies, Netflix, TV shows? Did you see that CNN show on the 80s? Did you see that? No. Did you? I saw that. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know the, the 60s, the I 70s, know. the yeah. 80s? Uh, okay, bring I, it. That's a lot of television bring for us on. to review, but yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, I'll try. Is, I'll try not to stammer. No, this this I did. <laughs> I did take out. I, I highlighted this part because I thought it was really funny. It just says, "The Jew talks funny." <laughs> okay, the, Rocio. Oh, Rocio. Wait, did you back at her? <laughs> well, speaking of that, this she next listener says, funny? bring back mean? the girl, but only if she do a strip tease or something. Well, Otherwise, yeah. toss her skanky ass. She a hoe if she cheating. I agree. Yeah? Yeah. You agree that she should come back only for a strip tease? I talk funny and I stammer. <laughs> what good am I? Yeah, these are not particularly good comments, I don't think they? you stammer at all, actually. Stammer? Hmm. I, what was the other one last week that I drop in the middle of a sentence, I suddenly stop? Remember? And I, I think said, it's that you were starting sentences, it, 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 not finishing. Yeah, so, yeah. Actually, I'd like to talk about. 
Sorry, I did that joke, same never joke. Gets old. Yeah, I did that last week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this week we're going to talk about Split. So I guess right away we should talk about the plot, the plot of Split, yeah. which is pretty straightforward. It's um, you want to talk about no, it? No, I'd like you to. Oh, great. I'll I like talk how you about do this. Then. You're concise. So, well, let me ramble for a while because apparently I blab. You know, yeah, to make a long story short. <laughs> to make I, that's my catchphrase. Don't be yeah, moving yeah, in on my catchphrase. Yeah. So, uh, to make a long story short. <laughs> uh, no, it's just long story short. That's what it was. Long story short. Right. Right. So anyway, uh, Split is about a group of girls, three girls who are coming home from the mall, and they get kidnapped by a. Uh, a person with split personalities. He chains them up or locks them up in, in this mystery room. They don't really know where they are. They're trying to figure out where they are the entire time and they have to get out. It's a pretty straightforward plot. There's not much more to it than that. Um, and I feel like we've seen this kind of plot in a lot of other movies. Uh, you know, I, I, what came to my mind was the human centipede, which is about two girls who are kidnapped and attached together and uh, they have to kind of try to get out of this complex that they don't know where they are, and they're, they're trying to escape from this madman. And that's kind of the same situation that we've got here. Right. Would you agree? I would. Yeah, I referenced uh, after the movie, Kiss the Girls. Mm. It reminded me of that. Robert, did you ever see a movie called Cube? Yes. Yeah, I don't know why. Totally different stories, but somehow with the different rooms, mm-hmm. I was flashing on on Cube. I really anyway, liked Cube. I did too. A Cube a was a brilliant movie. Yes, it was. Canadian movie. And they right. did it all on one soundstage. It was just very, it was so simple it worked. But Split, however, and I think it's an apt title because Ira and I are a little split on Split. Uh, I think I like this movie a little bit more than you did. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Uh, that was our my initial gut instinct just off of kind of reading you. What did you not like about it? It's generic. We've seen the story before. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was a twist ending, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I add this to the list of uh, our my disappointments with M. Night. It, it, I didn't think it was anything particularly special. I didn't think it was lofty in its own right. And I feel... Um, if he hadn't written this and directed it, it would have ended up in the 99-cent bin mm. at Fry's Electronics. Now, I don't think it stood out. It, I, I think you're right in that regard. I, I do think the fact that he lent his name to it gave it a sense of legitimacy. And I don't understand how he's still lending legitimacy to projects. I know. We briefly talked about this before. When he released Sixth Sense, ah, everyone was, in Hollywood was banging down his door to try to work with him. And that was such, a, as we know, that was such a smart movie. Yes. And everything about it, the cinematography, the acting. And yes, there was a huge twist ending, but the movie was more than just the twist ending. It was a really solid, solid film. I remember seeing that film in the theater with my buddy Matt. And we, we had heard that there was a twist ending, but we purposely tried to avoid what the twist ending was. We wanted to experience it. And we thought the twist ending was the mom was poisoning her own daughter. Do you remember that? Plot line, sure. And when we saw that, we both were aghast. We just turned to each other and went, "What the hell? That's crazy! That's the big twist ending." And then come to find out, twenty minutes later, that there's a complete other twist ending, and our minds were blown. And I remember walking out of that theater going, "That rocked my world." Absolutely. And I know everybody else I talked to, same thing. And for some reason, people didn't give away the ending for a good long time. That Bruce Willis. 
is dead the entire time. That's Spoiler the big alert. <laughs> I should have said for that a movie before. twenty years yeah, ago. Yeah. The the interesting thing there was that I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you, but I actually got a hold of the screenplay before I saw the movie. Oh wow! And I read the screenplay, and I wish I hadn't. Wow! It brought another level of appreciating the film, mm. knowing what the payoff was when I was watching it unfold for the first time. But it's obviously it spoiled it for me that aha. But I've noticed with that film too. That film is really interesting in that you can go back through and rewatch it and get a whole other yes. reading of the film, yes. and that's what's beautiful about it. Very few movies do you go back through and rewatch and take away a whole other experience. Right. I can't. I can't think of any other films that are really like that. I, right. I can think of one. One other movie that I can think of that's like Which that. Um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later on in this podcast because it's it's on my list of films that I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, we have a little bonus bonus feature. section today. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, I we'll get into that in a little okay. bit. Um, but I think this is one of the few films that you can rewatch and get a totally different reading. That's interesting. This film? No, no, no. Sixth Sense. Oh, okay. What does it say about this film that we're immediately talking about M. Night's other movies? How about that? What does that say? It means that we're we're lumping it with his other movies. It means that, aren't we implying that we're disappointed? I think so. I mean, this is not, in my opinion, I don't think this is a bad movie. I just don't think it's a particularly good movie. Um, I think horror audiences are fairly easy to, to please, and I know that sounds wildly insulting to horror audiences, but... They're, it's like they're waiting for a really strong horror movie to come out. And in the meantime, they're willing to settle for any entry into the horror genre. And it's unfortunate that more smart, witty, clever horror, horror films don't come out. And they are out there. And when they do come out, I think the horror community just you know really latches onto them. This, unfortunately, isn't one of them for me. Right. Uh, this feels like stuff that we've seen before. Um, it feels also... It, to me, it just reeked of a movie written and directed by someone who only understands movies and not someone who understands real human characters, real life, and what reality would be like for these characters. I'm much more into a sense of realism in my films. I really, and you know that about me, I'm really mm-hmm. interested in trying to capture realism. Um, and there were some real problems with the realism in this movie. We were talking about we one before. We were talking about that, yeah. After we saw them, we grabbed a quick bite to eat before we came over here to do the podcast, and we're on board on that same point, which is that the all three girls, but especially our lead, but it was true for all three, as time went by and they were they were trapped with this, this madman, um, they didn't become haggard. They still had makeup. They still had their lipstick looked real nice. And it was like the time was not going by, and they needed to look like crap as yeah. time went on. I mean, obviously was, they had been locked up for at least a few days, if not weeks. I thought a couple of weeks, but yeah. yeah. It was unclear how long they had really been down but there. But they both, they, all three looked fresh. Right. They looked fresh. In the final scene, the yes, main actress right, right. pops up and her, she still has lipstick on. Yeah, yeah. And it was real noticeable. It yeah. was real noticeable. It was neat and it looked great and And glossy. as I was saying before, th- to me, that has to be a directorial choice. There's no way that a makeup artist is going to say... I mean, if they're doing their job, there's no way they're going to say, okay, so we just do her makeup like the very first scene, right? Because if that's the case, that makeup artist should be fired. This has to be run by the director. The director has to say, nah, suspension of disbelief. Let's make them still look pretty. We want to idolize our our hero here. And 
and her physical attractiveness is part of that idolization. And I think that's a directorial mistake. Right. It's not being honest. Yeah. And it honestly pulled me out. Yeah. It, it was distracting when yeah. I saw that lipstick. It was a close up near the end of the movie of her face. Yeah. And she looked great. Yeah. Not, not considering what she had just gone through. Not locked up for right. several days right. by right. a madman. Sleeping on the floor and crying and fighting. Yeah. That's a real uh, a lack of, um, of realism, I would think. I think. Something else that's not real. Let's talk about the acting for a minute. Now, James McAvoy, I think, we both agree, did an outstanding he was job. What else has he done? What is uh, he, he was in a lot of the X-Men movies. He played Professor X in a lot of the, uh, the film. He was really great in Shameless. I don't know if you've seen Shameless. Oh. He, was, uh, um, he played a, a character for a season in Shameless. And um, he's been in, uh, he's been around. You've seen him before, maybe, probably, but maybe not recognized him. I think this actually is giving him a lot of street cred because he gets to play so many different characters. This, uh, his character has so many different personalities that he gets to play. Um, his, his, the main character is named Kevin, but he plays all these other characters. And um, and for a Scottish guy, you can't tell that he's got this right. Uh, accent just kind of goes away and it blends into you know all the the different voices and dialects and accents that he can is a tour de force of acting truly there was a scene near the end of the film too a lingering scene where the camera was going to him then to the mirror Mm -hmm. then back to him and it gave him the opportunity to do these different voices as different personalities were coming in and out and I It really, uh, you and I both come from a speech background, and it reminded me a lot of interpretation. Me too, me too. Uh, which, for those of you that are listening that may not be familiar with speech interpretation, a lot of the performers switch back and forth very, very quickly between characters uh, for that kind of speech performance. Pops, we used to call them pops. Right. Yeah, popping in, popping out, right. And this really felt similar to that, where he was able to kind of transition between those characters. I flashed on the same thing. Yeah. yeah with the friends, our forensic background. It felt like that. Mm-hmm. There were, however a few actors that really pulled me out. One of them was M. Knight himself. I even gave you an elbow. I know you. I said, that's M. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, look. He, okay. After Sixth Sense came out, everyone was saying, this guy is the new Hitchcock. And I think the person who believed it the most was M. Night Shyamalan. Right, right. He really believes that he is the next Hitchcock, and I think he firmly believes that he has to do the same tropes that Hitchcock did of putting himself in his own film. I'm saying this while I was acting in my own film, but M. Night is not a very strong actor, and it's distracting to see him. Well, also, Hitch didn't have dialogue in any right. of his own films. He would just Look at that, He was just in it, and that was wonderful. And right. Everyone would applaud that, and it became a game to try to find Hitch right. somewhere in his movies. This guy had dialogue. There was a long scene mm-hmm. where he was with that one lady, and it went on for quite a while. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's the writer, director, but and it I does want, pull if, you out. If anyone's listening and they haven't seen this movie... <laughs> Just watch his reaction. She says, uh, he's talking to one of the, um, she's, she, he's talking to a doctor who is the doctor of... The therapist. The, the therapist, I'm right, sorry. Right. Uh, which, although she is a doctor. True. She, uh, she's the, the doctor for Kevin, the main, uh, uh, what do you call it? Multiple personality disorder. So Kevin is their, their main bad guy character. And he's talking to the doctor that's treating Kevin. And she says, well, you... You know, you're not very meticulous. And he, his eyes bulge out. and It's a cartoon reaction. And that scene, there was no reason why that scene needed to be in the movie. 
if he was smart, he would have cut it. And there was another scene, too, with another... The doctor talks to another woman who is watching a game show, and it's some of the worst acting I've seen in a long yeah. time. Yeah. And again, Robert and I, we spoke about this very briefly, but we're so on the same page with that note that, uh, first of all, they wouldn't even need that scene. That scene had no purpose whatsoever in right. the movie. And I was aware, I think it was her neighbor. Yeah. Wasn't it like a next door neighbor? And they're watching a game show, Wheel of Fortune. It was just a weird, goofy yeah. scene. And, and you could hear the dialogue from the page. Yes, yes. And I think that's one of the problems. I, I think M. Night has also gotten to the point where he really thinks that he is good at dialogue, which he isn't. I, th- I think he's picking up a page from Tarantino, and I think he's feeling like he can write the same kind of dialogue. And Tarantino almost powers through the awkwardness of long uh, monologue-esque dialogue, you know, where people take turns with these long, esoteric um, odd references, almost like the Dennis famous Miller, Big Mac. Yes, yes. You know, and, uh, and he just goes fiction. through like what what would be normally a thirty second exchange. Quentin Tarantino lets it ride for three minutes, and very few directors can really afford the time to do that. And I think M Night Shyamalan feels like he can shoehorn in a little uh, socio socioeconomic commentary or something along those lines, but it feels very stiff. It feels very forced and self indulgent. Yes. And that's, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. And you can hear those words on the page. Mm-hmm. You can hear the actress struggling with those lines. And the fact that he's directing her and not, and she's, she's not nailing this scene is kind of a testament to the fact that he's not directing very well. He's not really taking control. I'm almost wondering if she was either a friend of his or friend of a family or if she won some sort of contest. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Why that scene was in the movie, it, it served no purpose. There was no reason for it. I, I, I'm dying to know. Maybe so if anyone a, knows maybe who... Maybe she's his girlfriend. Well, then, <laughs> what do you call that? The s- summer, no, spring, winter romances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah what you call I'll that? say. Personified. Yeah. So if anyone knows why Ann Wood was in that movie, please let me know. Because I'm dying to find out. Nah. But uh, a lot of the other... Actors did it, you know, everybody did a fairly decent job except for M. Night and this and and Wood, but most everybody else per- turned in a fairly decent performance. But the acting was solid, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of the problems I had with it were a lot of the dialogue, as we mentioned. And one thing I, I will praise him for is um, he minimized the amount of. When you go see a horror movie... Now, it should be said that Ira and I made the conscious choice to go see this movie. Uh, I made a joke last week about seeing a movie at a Magic Johnson theater. Ira and I decided to go see this movie at a Magic Johnson theater. But, interesting caveat, there are no more Magic Johnson theaters in Los Angeles. That's right. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. They closed them all down. So, we went to the former flagship Magic Johnson theater, which is called the Rave. 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 Is that what it is? Yeah. Was it Rave or Rage? No, Rave. Rave. Rave? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this was, you know, in Crenshaw, and this was a... <laughs> uh, this We were the only white people there. So this was definitely down in South Central area. It was a consciousness-raising experience. For, it was. Uh, I felt comfortable. It was great. It was, it was, uh, yeah. I, I didn't feel uncomfortable at all, yeah. uh, which it's, it sounds very racist. It but really does. The guy it? next to me was yelling back at the screen, of course. But that's yeah. what I wanted. Yeah. And I find that going to see 
movies in other other places, predominantly white areas, you don't get that. And I love watching horror movies. I think I made a comment about this on last week's episode. I love watching horror movies with audiences that are going to react. I think that's fun. Uh, we And they didn't disappoint this time at all because they were saying stuff. Um, what was it? After he killed somebody, there was a woman that yelled. That was great. She yelled he's, out like, oh, you're going, going to hell. Going, or she's going to like, hell. Yeah. yeah. And what else? He started you, cracking up. That I was, was dying. Great. Yeah. Well, the, again, the guy next to me kept saying, you know, Get the gun! Get the gun! I think that's Lock so the door! <laughs> Run! Run! That's great! I love that. And I think that's a, an exciting part of the movie-going experience. It should be noted that there is a lot of... Um, a lot of... I don't want to say unknowns, but faces that we haven't seen before in, in this film. What was the, the main doctor? You had noted that you recognized oh, her. Oh, yes. Uh, Miss Buckley. Uh... Uh, Betty, Betty Buckley, you know, memories, da, 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 da. I'm doing that because she did Cats uh, on Broadway. That was her big song. So, yeah. Uh, I want our listeners to know that at the beginning of every movie, Robert and I hold hands. But this time we didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just went straight for yeah, oral. So let's not let that happen again, okay? Yes, I agree. <laughs> I will also mention the... Um, Oh, we like the we like the close credits, the credits at the end. The credits and the were unique great. That way, it was done in a tidying with the theme of Split, the way they were mirrored. So, what, describe what happened in those credits. Okay, we saw the main credit in the center, and we had it replicated. It was mirrored with columns, rows, the background. Obviously, it was a metaphor. It was a, it was reflective of a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. I, I had never seen it like that before. Yeah. Uh, I like when films kind of fuck with the credits a little bit. I think it's a, a little more interesting. Um, there was, they did that for, uh, what, seven? Yes. Yes. In fact, they rolled the opposite direction, didn't they? The credits yes. roll went the opposite direction, yeah. which is very unnerving. Very unnerving. Something you noticed, by the way. I want to compliment you that in his apartment at the beginning, you noticed that he had in his bookshelf the mm-hmm. book... Um, uh, Sybil. Yes, Sybil. That was, I love, I love this. It's almost an homage, isn't it? It's a tipping of the hat. Well, uh, or would the character actually have, have that Sybil? Or is well, it describe a, what Sybil a is, Because I don't or, know if people know what Sybil is. Oh, oh, Sally Fields. That remember there was that well, it was a TV movie well, and a popular it was, book. It was a popular, popular book. book before it became a TV about, movie. Split personality right. disorder. Right. We should mention that. So that's cool, Robert. The way you noticed it, and a our character could have had that since he was suffering from that. I think more than that, it was a, a wink and homage. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Kind of like kind of like in in Pretty Woman in the hotel near the end of the movie. Uh, just as they're running out of the room and on the TV set is in black and white Pygmalion uh, of which it's based and again it's the writer director giving a wink a tip of the hat right. an homage to the original well you couldn't read in the spines of any other books except for that's Sybil. cool that you noticed that so yeah I did notice that yeah getting back to the actors so the the main actress was uh, Anya Taylor-Joy and she plays Casey yeah and so I guess Casey's um, I, I, the, the the character. She has all these flashbacks that I guess really they aren't necessary. They're not, and they're not. She it is trying to get us to relate the two characters together, as in she is uh, she suffered similar 
kind of uh, traumatic history as, as the, the main character of you Kevin. Know, and I'm, I'm going to interrupt Robert to talk about, you know, and, and again, when I went to screenwriting classes back in the 70s, the need for backstory, the need to understand motivation mm-hmm. and why she's doing what she's doing and why is she peculiar and a little bit different, which is obviously established at the top of the movie. And so they have this backstory with the man and their uncle. And it, it was weird and I think it was unnecessary. And you and I have often talked about this, even with our own projects, that sometimes you can say the character is the way the character is. Right. He or she just is that way. And there isn't a profound need to explain why. Well, I think what they were going for is they wanted to get out that she had been sexually molested. And I. But I, did that, what did that do? Nothing. And I think this is, again, I think this is M. Night Shyamalan in love with himself. Uh, and and that, that that sounds kind of jaded to say, but it seems indulgent. I don't. I think he's trying to throw in another twist at the end of the film of like, oh, and she was molested by her uncle. Well, do we the need care, that? No, it, it served no purpose whatsoever. The, the whole thing when they were out in the wilderness and sh- shooting animals, and we're trying, and what what the uncle was doing, and and pretending he was an animal, and blah blah blah. It just got really odd and unnecessary. And the very end of the movie, didn't the police say to her, um, "Your, your uncle's, uncle's here. waiting for you"? Like, does this mean that the horror is continuing? Did I take that right? Well, I think what they were trying to say is she's looking at the police officer, and it's really lingering. Yes. Did she yes. come clean and say, right. "No, right. I'm not ready for right. him because right. he." molests me and right. does all these awful things to me. But we didn't need any of that. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It, it really didn't serve much purpose yeah. for the story, other than just to add time. Mm. Um, and it didn't feel realistic. It was contrived. Yes. It was convenient. Yes. So I, I didn't buy it. It was kind of unnecessary for right. me. Um, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love watching a guy get naked and down on all fours. You know, squeal like a pig and all that. Yeah. I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Not before you stay here and take off all your clothes. Oh, no. Um, I wanted to... About split personalities for a yes, second. Yes, yes. This is a controversial psychological phenomenon. I mean, a lot of people say that split personalities don't exist. And... One of the issues that I had with the film is it felt it felt very like armchair psychology. It felt like someone who has seen movies about people who have psychological disorders and Night Shyamalan, because I think he, that I think he's studying other films. I think that's where he's getting most of his background and not actually studying psychology. And He's, I mean, he's even inserting these drawings, these childish drawings of monsters stabbing people, which... We've seen that. Yes, we've seen it. We've and seen I, that. And I don't believe it. I don't think that that's a truism. So I don't... It feels way too forced, way too convenient, way too There were times it was clean. a bit expository, too, yes. where she, the therapist, was explaining it. It was like, again, the audience was being, I think, spoon-fed. Right. There was a line. I, I wrote it down. She mm-hmm. even says, uh, oh, I'm surprised you're letting me talk to them. You're usually very protective of them. It's, yeah. why, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. We get it. Yeah. So uh, the, the whole idea of split personalities is controversial to begin with, and I don't think that we needed... I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is this film suffers from that. It suffers from um, trying to be something that, again, isn't 
real. It's not bringing the realism in, into things. I don't know if you know this. Do you remember the Hillside Stranglers? Sure. sure. Um, when they, well, they, it was the Hillside Strangler, and they found out that it was two guys, um, and they were cousins. Did you know about no. this? No. And they caught them, and when they was in, they were in Glendale, and I think one had moved to Seattle because they, they felt like there was too much heat coming down on them. So one of them moved to Seattle. And I think he started killing there, too, or something. But anyway, when they caught them, um, they interviewed one of them, and he said that he had split personalities. And they said they, they thought he was bullshitting. And so he said he had these two personalities, and the one personality was doing all the killing. And they tricked him, and they said, uh, they went in and said, so these are the only two personalities that you have? And he said, yeah. And he said, well, that's unusual. The police said this, uh, that if that's unusual. Usually people with split personalities have at least three or more personalities. And the next day came a new personality, a new voice and everything. And they said, this guy's bullshitting us. And that was one of the ways that they were able to kind of determine this guy is faking. Interesting. Yeah. And so, of course, he was kind of busted on that. And And like I said, a lot of psychologists disagree that split personality ever civil was an actual real case right and most people think that that um if split personalities happen it's extremely rare and most of the time they don't even happen right uh so i don't know that using that as a backbone of the entire film is a great starting point for me that's loses points in my book for that I mean, it was interesting stuff, too, about how uh, with the split personalities and Mm -hmm. some of the personalities, it it would literally not quite change the individual's DNA, but habits and and qualities and whether it's like an earache or some uh, some physicality. Right. And obviously there was a huge climax in the movie about this, about the beast. Right. And and he changed physically. um, And I guess this is scientifically proven that it has... Happened? I, not not like crawling on walls or walking on ceilings, but but will it change your your outward appearance and give you certain abilities? <clears throat> I think we're entering the realm of fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And I know that there are people who have those um, who have uh, the ability to to do certain things like that. Monks who have been able to become so in tune with themselves that they can lower their body temperature when they're put into really high uh, temperature rooms or um, I mean the very famous immolation pictures from the Vietnam War where he's literally on fire with kerosene right. and isn't flinching at all. Right. Total control over the body. Uh, you know, and like I was saying too, body, body temperature, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of uh, lowering your metabolism to the point where you don't have to eat for weeks or maybe even months Uh, There was a a boy in India that I read about who um, had achieved enlightenment and basically didn't move. He sat there and um, for I think it was like two or three months, and then finally he disappeared and went into the woods because people were coming too much and it it was starting to distract him. And he didn't eat, he didn't drink for a period of two or three months. Just sat there uh, by this tree and. Those are very rare, but recorded possibilities where you can control your body right. to do certain Walking things. Walking across burning embers, right. so on. Yeah, but all of that is. Um, I, I think those are are rare, and it really takes total control and and knowledge of oneself, and I guess trying to find those neural pathways in your brain to achieve that. But that doesn't seem the case with this guy. Right. I don't know that you can just say uh, I really believe that I'm. 
uh, diabetic or I really, I mean, if you do that, I don't know, physiologically, if you squirt insulin into your bloodstream, I think your pancreas is going to have some problems. Uh, and if you believe that you can walk on walls, I don't think that that's going to make it happen. Right, right. So we're really shattering the climax of the movie right now. We're not buying it. I think we're assuming that people have already seen this movie. If they we're haven't, really making, you know, if mm-hmm. they haven't, then they're, they're not going to enjoy this ride with us anyway. Good point. Or, guess what? You just yeah. got a lot of spoilers. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't feel bad about spoiling movies. So we've, done it. It, we've done it in our previous podcast. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I say something else? Please. I love that they... I, I was noticing at the beginning when they... When he... Kevin puts these three girls in this room and the room is kind of hastily built with drywall. Most people don't realize how easy drywall is to just punch right through. You, that stuff is not hard. You can punch through it and you won't even break your skin, much less a bone. And I, whenever I see people that are held captive, I think about the movie Commando, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. There's a, at the end uh, of the movie, the, the whole time, um, what's her name from, uh, who's the boss? What's the girl's? From that Judith, Light- no, 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 little no, girl. No. Oh, um, I don't know. Uh, what's her name? Anyway, she was she played the girl who Commando was trying to get. Uh, he plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter, and he's trying to go get get her back. You've you've stolen my daughter. You know, he's trying to get her back. She's in this room that's just all drywall. She could have easily she a little girl, ten year old girl, could have punched through these walls and made a hole for herself and escaped that way. And I'm thinking, if these three girls are stuck in this room that's made out of, out of drywall, you could punch through that shit right, easy right. and get out. And they actually did it in this movie. They were actually trying to get out. They were ripping up the drywall and the ceiling to try to get... I think they could have done more. Right. They could have found right. other ways out. Right. But, um, that, to me, was an interesting element that M. Night Shyamalan actually wrote in, and I thought, that that's a pretty clever mm-hmm. addition I, I haven't seen in other movies where they actually punch out of the, the room. I know, too. When I asked you a few um, an hour or so ago about, um, oh, when she, God, we really are giving away a lot, but so what? When the therapist <laughs> said, uh, just call him by his name, Crumb. And then I asked you, well, why didn't she do that at the very end of the movie? And you explained it to me, and I guess I missed that. And you explained so the, it very convenient. But, well, why don't you explain Okay, so what? the doctor says, yes. If you, if anybody says, calls him by his name, his full name, yes. Kevin, middle it, name Crum, William Crum, or whatever yeah, it was, that, William. William yeah. Okay, if you call him his full name, Kevin William Crum, then all of the personalities will have a fight to try to figure out who's in control, and it will be total chaos. And she did that once, and it worked. So Casey does this; she says it, and he goes into total chaos. And then the personalities get control and say, uh, we've put Kevin to sleep. That won't work anymore. And that was explained. Is that right? Well, I, I missed that beat. Where well, they, the, the, I guess they, a, they, the personalities of Kevin that yeah, took control said it. That's right. They that's said, right. we put Kevin to sleep. So saying his name won't do any help. She How didn't can, even try to say I, his name I know. Again. I would have yelled his name over and over again, especially the very end when yeah. he was still coming at her. But it's, it's how complicated and confusing and convenient that yes. is as a plot point. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's complicated it's, and it's convenient. Right. And kind of sloppy writing. Yeah. And, again, unnecessary. There was no reason. I mean, he was coming at her. She could have just tried to escape 
found a, I mean, he could have just had a flash where he said, hey, it's me. I'm trying to help you. There's a gun in there. Get right. the gun. Kill me. And then flash back. You're right. We wouldn't have needed that whole other Why do we need loop? to know right. this, like, say the magic word and I'll go away? It served no plot purpose whatsoever. So I feel like that could have been ditched. You know, one of the things that I found most unlikely about this whole movie What's is that? the doctor Skyped in to Paris and it There's worked. A seminar. And it worked. It was smooth. Skype actually worked. <laughs> That's probably the most unrealistic thing about the entire movie. <laughs> That's very movie. funny. That's very funny. I was thinking about it. I'm like, nah, no way. You haven't been so fortunate with Skyping, huh? <laughs> Not to yeah. Paris anyway. Yeah. Um, I do think that the editor of this film did a really, really nice job. There's a few scenes that are really brilliantly edited. edited and um, and I, I think he, the editor added some humor into certain scenes that may not have necessarily been there. And so I looked up the editor. His name is uh, Luke Franco. I'm going to mispronounce his name. Uh, Cariochi. And it looks like he's worked with M. Night on a lot of his earlier films as kind of a uh, post-production assistant and things like that. And uh, he's edited this film and then the last M. Night Shyamalan film, The uh, the Visit. So it looks like he's kind of stepped up in the edit- editing department. And he did a really nice job, I felt like. The scenes were edited really nicely. I do think that some scenes should have been deleted. And I suspect, again, that's probably a relationship with a well-known director who's clearly given this guy his, uh, his start, you're not going to tell that director, sorry, man, we got to, you know, we got to ditch this scene. That's going to be a hard talk to have to say, I mean, look, if, if Steven Spielberg or someone of that caliber says, Hey, look, I'm going to give you your start. And then four or five films later, you say, Hey, Steve, baby, I know we're close. You've been acting in this scene. I got to tell you, it's really unrealistic. I think it should be cut. You're not going to have that conversation. No way. Um, it just seems disrespectful, let alone the, the power struggle that's at play there. So I suspect that's probably why some of those scenes are still left in. But, um, man, I, I think the pacing and the, the tension that was built was really masterful. And I felt a lot of that came from the editing. Editing, right. Agreed. I agree with that. I also felt but like the lighting was really strong. Mm-hmm. I felt like the movie was shot really well, and um, and the cinematographer did a really nice job. Um, I do think that we talked about the acting as well, and I think James McAvoy did a really nice job. Um, this wasn't really his breakout role, but it, I think it's going to put him in a different caliber of focus for other people. I, I almost wonder if he's going to have problems in the way that Billy Zane had problems after Titanic. Do you yeah, remember this? Of course I do. So yeah. Billy Zane famously couldn't walk down the street because everyone saw him as a villain and they're right. going, Oh, you piece of shit. And they were like throwing milkshakes at him and things. And everyone saw him as the villain. I almost wonder if James McAvoy is going to have a similar problem after this. I don't think so. Don't think, I think so? No, I don't. I appreciate you're asking that question, but I think now, because I never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. Mm. And I think he's going to get a lot more work because of this film. Uh, I I for do, sure yeah. he will. I think he will. But, but you I, feel I wonder, that a stereotype by the public out there yeah. thinking that he's, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the camera is on McAvoy a lot. Like he has a lot of camera time in this film and it's always on his face. And they're tight close-ups on his face. If you were to go back in time, how much, how many minutes we saw close-ups of his face, I, it's got to be a significant portion of the film. And I wonder what that's going to do psychologically to people who've seen this film over and over again. He's going to be um, 
treated differently, I suspect. I, I had a friend one time who, um, she went out, she said she went to, the, to this uh, party, and this guy showed up, and she said this guy was a really, really handsome guy. He was blonde and really good looking, but she couldn't tell why, but she hated this guy. And she thought, this guy's a real piece of shit. Didn't do anything mean to her. Didn't say anything to her. She recognized that he was handsome, but couldn't figure out why she hated this guy's guts. And right after he left the party, somebody told her that was the bad guy from the Karate Kid. And she went, of course. That's why I can't stand it. look how that was subliminal. Yeah. Look how that was not, the per- she didn't even, it was not a conscious thing. Right. That's even more frightening. Yeah. So, yeah, this poor guy, maybe when he's walking down the street or at Macy's or something, you know, someone will take a big ass rifle and try to kill him. Hopefully. A spoiler alert. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, one of the things that, uh, this might be a good day to talk about it, you know, the, the big, um, the march downtown and the, the, there's been a big women's march this weekend. And one of the things about this that I thought was interesting is, is almost like a feminist reading. A lot of horror films have feminist readings of them because it's almost always women who are the sole survivors of these horror films. And I, I don't quite know how to take that. I mean, I get it that this woman has, um, she's, I guess this is the same thing that we've seen a trope in so many other movies, starting with Halloween and all the Friday the 13th movies and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Almost all these movies have this single white female who survives, who um, you know triumphs over everybody. And, I, and that trope is definitely at play here. Uh, everybody else dies. She's the one that has to rise up with all the skills that she's learned. And... On one end, it's very empowering, but on the other end, doesn't it just seem like it's... Um, it's buying into that, that yeah. culture. I know. What if the movie was about three boys instead of three girls? It wouldn't... There's an it, innocence it, it, that I think people want. I agreed. Now we're sounding sexist. Last week we were racist, yes. and right now we're sounding very sexist. What better way to cool. do it than yeah. this weekend? Yeah, look how we're bookending. <laughs> I love it. But it's true. It's true that there is... I the, think the film the would not be nearly as successful it if it was work. three guys. Yeah. And I, I, I or, think that's sexist. I isn't do too. It? I, yeah. Or even if it was a combination. It, it plays better as three, with three girls. It just does. What does that say about us? About you and I or about, or about society, society in general? That's really an interesting point. I mean, I think we've seen other movies that do have a mix of male and female, but you've got to kill the guys off. Rarely yeah, does the guy yeah, survive yeah. all the way. He might even be second to last to go, but he's got to go. And, I mean, it's, it's the same thing that we talk about in the movie Scream, where you've got these rules to horror movies, and that's almost what it kind of feels like. Of, this is the rule. We have to have a white female who survives. And that starts to get back into race. But, I mean, the, it, I, when we were in grad school, there were you know a lot of people who would attach feminist readings to horror films and say that horror films are actually very empowering to the female uh, because they're the sole survivor. And uh, the only problem is that it really the the sluttier girls are usually the ones to go first. Uh, Unfortun- they never survive. Unfortunately, <laughs> but you know what? You get a good sex scene before they go. Yeah, good point. You good know? point. But watching I- PJ Souls. Get get her. PJ Souls. She was the one that got fucked in Halloween. Oh oh oh. Or did the fucking? It wasn't, it wasn't Jamie Laker. No, but, she was the virgin. Yeah, got it. 
But I, the operative word, I think, is vulnerable, that three women are just more vulnerable than yeah. three guys. Is that? Yeah, I would it, agree. It, yeah. And of course, there are exceptions to that, but for the most part, there aren't. And that, I guess that's part of my frustration. I think it's part of your frustration of why you saw this movie ending up in the discount bin at Fry's. It's because we've seen this so many times <laughs> yeah. before, and there isn't that... There isn't a real spin on this movie. There's not a real, hey, this is a different take on the horror genre. It's the same girl gets stuck and has to find the clues to get her way out in much the same way that we've seen in other films before. Right, right. Was well, there, was some there, guy's hunting her. Wait, yeah. Was there, I know our theme in this podcast was twist endings. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about that in a little while with other movies with twist endings. Was there a twist ending? Was there something I missed? I think they were... Okay. M. Night got famous for his twist endings. And I think he's tried to put twist endings in a lot of his films. Clearly, Sixth Sense had one. And I think Unbreakable was starting to have one. Signs had one, but it wasn't a good twist. The village had a twist ending. Did you see the village? I did. And they had the twist ending, but nobody cared. Happening, the happening was that. Yeah, that one? had a twist ending. It was the plants. Yeah, it was, it was the just plants, the, the pollen, or something. Yeah, was- and nobody cared anymore. And I think here he's toned down his twist endings, but I think the the big twist was this little add-on scene at the very end in a cafe after the movie is over. And I think the first twist is that the killer gets away with it. The killer is still at large. So, again, the spoiler is that James McAvoy is still running around possibly killing people. But then there's this little added scene at the very end where they say, wow, this is just like another guy 15 years ago who also went away. What was that guy's name? And then all the diners lean back, and then we reveal Bruce Willis, who says his name was Mr. Glass. Yeah. And Which was a reference to... To Unbreakable. Right. Now the the theory behind Unbreakable was that Unbreakable was a uh, was the first act of a superhero film where the superhero finds his superpowers and meets his arch nemesis. In that case, it was Bruce Willis. I, I don't recall Bruce Willis's character's name, but uh, Bruce Willis's character and uh, Samuel Jackson, Jackson, who was Mister Glass, right. uh, was the the villain. And we never got to see them square off against one another. We just got to see the setup. That was really what M Night's uh, theory was. Was that was the whole first act of a superhero movie kind of stretched out to the to feature film. What's interesting here is that he's tying these two worlds together, and the implication is that Bruce Willis realizes he's the superhero and has to find this James McAvoy character. Yeah. So essentially, Bruce Willis is this Batman and has to track down the Joker of you know, Kevin or you know, the James McAvoy character. So... And, and and all the while you have Mr. Glass, who's they I think they said he was institutionalized or jailed or something like that. So you've got these villains running around, and I I hope that M Night is going to eventually wrap these characters together. Right. I, I guess I hope that I was I reading about that. But didn't Bruce's cameo at the very end pull you out of the movie? Well, the movie was over by that point anyway, right. so it didn't really pull me out. It was an epilogue. I right. laughed. Yeah, I, I thought know. It was funny. I know. Yeah, I was cackling. Yeah. So it didn't really pull me out, but I guess it's interesting. But I think that was the twist, which was these worlds are the same. The unbreakable world and the split world are to, are one and the same. 
It's getting good reviews. It's getting mixed reviews and positive reviews. Yeah, I, um, I think it was seventy-eight percent or something like that. So it is fresh. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and I felt like it was a good movie. What would I you say? It was good. I thought it was like a B minus. B minus. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's it's good. I would say it's a B B minus. Um, it felt like. An escape room. Have you done an escape room before? No. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I do know about that. It felt like a movie version of an escape room. Like she has to find all the clues to get her way out and something like that. That's really what it felt like to me. Hi, (laughs) Kat. I think it was forgettable. And in a few weeks or a few months, it'll be hard to remember much of the movie. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, But I guess... The only reason why it would be memorable is in placement of this whole new world of superhero characters. Right. You've got Mr. Glass and the Horde, and what I can't remember what Bruce Willis's character's name is, but he is unbreakable. So you have all these uh, characters that it looks like he's trying to interact and bring together. So that's the only reason why it's really memorable for me is the connection sure. to the other world. Sure. I guess it's the same world, but the other movie. Right, right. Well, what are the money shots that stand out for you? Yeah. Are there money shots? I don't shots? think I have any. You do. I don't I, I don't have Bruce Willis I, at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> I'll remember that. I'll, because that, to me, was the most... It definitely, I guess, it did... And you said, did it pull you out? It did pull me out because I was laughing. It was so absurd that these two worlds were, were inter, interconnected. Um, but I don't really have a strong money no, shot for this no. movie. You think this movie's forgettable? For me, it's forgettable. And I know one of our themes is money shot. After all, that's the name of the podcast. And uh, I was trying to think of what it would be for me. I didn't come up with one. Wow, that says something. I think I'll think of the close-ups when I think back about it. Um, yeah, the, uh, both the main characters had some really nice close-ups. And... Um, and, and some nice facial expressions and things like that. Some of the slower movements and pacing and things like that I thought were pretty nice. But I agree. I don't think there's a whole lot that's very memorable about this movie. Right. Little snippets of you know them trying to escape and stuff like that. But there, there's... I've seen that. Yeah. So much of it we've seen before. Yeah. Derivative. So... Are we really saying that there's no real money shot in this movie? I am, but you have one. I guess... But that's not... I guess we can make the argument that for you, that is the money shot of the movie. Even though it was an epilogue and a little wink at the very end, but that'll be your money shot. right? Well, that's for me, I guess, is. Yeah. Yeah. One last other note. Did you... One thing I did like about it is I did like the use of color in the film. M. Night's known for using different colors to represent different things. Uh, you know, the, the yellow handkerchief that was being used uh, as kind of like a vulnerability, I guess. And uh, the main actress had on white for, uh, well, she had on darker colors and then she had on this whiter shirt. So she was really in these uh, white and, and black colors. Uh, the main doctor had green on a lot, you know, so he's definitely using these colors to represent the characters in a lot of different ways. He'd done the same thing in Sixth Sense. Every time there was a dead person that was interacting with the real world, they used the color red. And he's trying to use color as a signifier. The problem I found was I'm not exactly sure what these colors mean. 
if there's a very specific, clear yellow handkerchief, but what does that mean? And, uh, you know, the, the, the little boy, uh, character, the nine year old, what was his name? Um, uh, I forgot the, the, but the personality that's nine years old. Yes. He has a blue jacket that he wears and there's everybody has Priscilla. The, uh, the other woman character had that kind of a burgundy top that or the color burgundy that we associate with her. So there's these certain colors that we associate with each one of the characters and I can appreciate where he's going. I'm just not sure what does that mean? Other than it seems like this character likes that color, right? Yeah, there are a lot of earth tones yes. throughout the whole film. A lot Which of I thought browns. worked for the color. Yeah. Or for the, uh, yeah, for the color of the film, for the right. look of the film. Right. All right, so we don't have money shots, but we do have lists. We do. I love what you asked me to do a couple nights ago. That was to... <laughs> <laughs> Not well, besides that, that. Oh, oh, okay. Um, to come up with our top uh, five favorite films with a twist ending. With a twist ending. So... We haven't shared these, and I figure we'll just kind of go up from from oh, the end. Wait, are they supposed to be ranked? Wow, well, I rank tell, mine. You didn't figures. Okay, well we can yeah, just do I top five. Rank, so we'll, I didn't rank mine. We'll just do your top five. But why don't you take one and I'll take one, and we'll kind of alternate right, back and but forth. But there's something I did that I didn't tell you that's going to screw up our back and forth. You did porn. Well, besides that, oh. uh, I know my assignment was to do five. Uh-huh. I did ten. But only because... I think I might have you 10 here. Also, here I was feeling guilty because I thought you were saying, Ira, that's irresponsible. But in actuality, I like doing it so much that my analogy is... You love the analogies, Robert? Uh-huh. Here's mine. Here's some ice cream. Not one scoop of ice cream like I asked for. I got a second scoop of ice cream. And that's what I'm doing for you, Robert, so and now, listeners. Two scoops of ice cream. Our listeners have I, to listen to 20 films <laughs> that have twist endings. Click. But I'm sure some of our twist endings will probably line up. I bet we're going to choose some of the same I ones. don't know. Well, I, I think three or four of mine, yes. But okay. I, I went, you'll... Am I going to be interested by this? This is going to be interesting. So I have like 10. Are you ready? Go ahead. So we're just going to alternate. Mine are in no particular order. Okay. Well, Well, let me tell me the first one I could think of. I'm going to interrupt you because I want to go first. The one movie that had the biggest twist ending, because we're not going out of order, Pearl Harbor. Because like when the Japanese came over, I was like, what the (laughs) fuck? Wish you could have seen my expression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, Japanese, that's a twist ending. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. I never thought of that. Wait, let me, now I have, now I have. I have. You're supposed to say Robert, it yeah. actually happened yeah, that way. Yeah, I know I was supposed to say All right, that. go ahead, go ahead. All right, I'm going to use that one. Now I have, now I have 11. No, right. Well, okay, mine are in no particular order, but obviously the first one that came to my mind, and how could it not, would be. Six cents. Six cents was on yeah, my list cents. as well. It had and to be. You know what? I honestly that, think that's one of the best twist endings. I agree. I, I think say what you want about Infinite Shyamalan, which I've already shit all over the guy. That film really stands the test of time. It's a good movie. If you don't know the twist ending and you watch that movie, you can't help but go, Whoa, what the fuck? And you really want to go back and relive it and re-experience and it. And when you do watch it a second time, you appreciate it all the more. Yeah. With real subtle, subtle nuances that were really smart. Yes. It was yeah. a smart movie. The whole time you think Bruce Willis's wife hates him. Yeah. But instead, she loves yeah. him. Yeah. She can't get over him. And he's dead. What the fuck? That's great. All right. Yeah. 
So we both got okay. six cents on there. All right. All right. What else? All right. In no particular order. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to surprise you if you mind. All right. Well, I did say Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Uh, you didn't include that, did you? I didn't. Yeah. You know, I do remember seeing it in a theater in 1967. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have Soylent Green on your list, too? I do now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I lumped those both in the same category. Yeah. yeah. Soylent yeah. Green and it's Planet of the Apes. people. Yeah. Soylent yeah, yeah, Green yeah, is yeah, people. Yeah. So I still remember seeing Planet of the Apes with 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 Kathy in 1967 and I still remember seeing that it's a very famous that shot is iconic and uh, I still remember what she said to me and uh, we'd been going out for quite well, a while what, I what said, happens okay the, at well, the end what's the we twist? realize when Charlton Heston looks up oh the great line just before he goes on this journey on the horse is when the head monkey says go in search of your destiny mm. and that's a great He's finding his own destiny. Mm-hmm. That didn't make sense the first time you're seeing the movie. You're looking. You're going to find. You're about to find your destiny on the horse along the shore. And of course, it's that iconic shot. Actually, there's a teaser shot when the camera's looking down between the crown of the Statue of Liberty. But then we see the master shot mm-hmm. with the Statue of Liberty half embedded in the sand. And Charlton Heston gets off the horse and he realizes that he's been on Earth the whole time. He starts to pound his fist into the sand and screams, "You blew it up! God damn it! You blew it!" up to bloody hell goddammit, and that's the end yeah and i still remember when kathy my date 1967 said well didn't you even know i knew it was earth the whole time and she kind of just like what a bitch <laughs> how do you know that the whole time that's the big twist ending what do you mean you know she, that she the whole just, time Never went out with her again. Anyway, Planet of the Apes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Your turn? All right. Um, one that I have on my list was uh, Total Recall. I, was it a twist ending? It did have a twist ending. And it was really the whole film was like a big twist. At the end of the film, um, everything that, if you, if you remember in Total Recall. The first one or the second? The first one. They tell Arnold Schwarzenegger, all right, uh, you're, you're going to take this, we're going to implant this memory, and you're going to feel like a spy. All of this stuff is going to happen to you. You're going to save Mars. And you watch the film, and everything they say that happened, that's going to happen to him actually happens. So you don't know whether or not you're watching uh-huh. his dream or whether Got or it. not this Got actually it. happened. Got it. Yeah. And it is kind of a twist and you never really truly figure out the ending. It could really have been read two different ways. And I really enjoyed the twist there of that. And I don't know if it's necessarily a twist ending, but it's there's a twist in right, it. Right, right, right. There's a kink. Mm-hmm. And it, I you might even be able to argue it's a twist beginning that gives a different reading of the whole film. You're but, right. You're right. But um but I think that deserves to be mentioned at least. All right, what do you got? Very nice. And I'm going to mention it's an obscure movie, Robert. Have you ever heard of Nicole Kidman in The Others? Yes. Very similar to Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Very similar, and uh, I don't want to give away. But I thought that was—I thought it was an underrated film. I didn't care for it. You that didn't much. like it, did you? No, I did. She's dead the whole time. Shush. Yeah, that's the twist. Okay, spoiler alert. Very similar to Sixth Sense, and you didn't like it. Just didn't work for you, huh? I, I guess I kind of figured it out a little early. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. It was not a big shock to me. Okay. Well, fuck that you. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'm glad I, 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 I'm glad I have 10 instead of just five. If you're going <laughs> to shoot mine down like that. 
Okay. I said Pearl Harbor. I, I, that was very funny. That was um, very funny. You know yeah. something else? A movie that you and I had talked about recently was The Vanishing. And I love the twist ending to The Vanishing. Mm. The Vanishing is a Danish film, I think. But it's a uh, film about a guy whose wife is kidnapped and he becomes consumed with trying to find out what happens to her. And he, he can never find out what happened to this to his his wife. And he's he's obsessed with it. And he finally... Here's from the killer who kidnapped his wife, and the kid, the killer says, "I will show you what happened to her, but you have to do everything that happened to her." And the guy is so obsessed with what happened, he wants answers so badly that he agrees to it, and he ends up dead in this guy's backyard, just like she was. And the end is he's stuck in a coffin. He wakes up, you know, buried alive, and uh, and this guy has killed him. And I think that twist there, because you, you feel like he's going to get away, you feel like he's going to... And in the American version, I know. with Kiefer I mean, Sutherland, we talk he actually does recently. get away. I know. Robert is referring not to the American version, the remake, but the original one with a much better ending. Yes. With a much better ending. The, the remake with Jeff Bridges, we spoke about that yeah. recently. But, um, yeah. Okay. Go for it. You're next. This is going to surprise you. Forbidden Planet. Which one was Forbidden Planet? Forbidden Planet was with uh, Leslie Nielsen... And they go to a planet, and it's got an ending. I'm not sure if it's a twist the very end, but it is a reveal in the third act of the movie that the monster is within all of us, the monster of the, of uh. the id. And that was really smart for a sci-fi B-movie in 1956. It's a lofty <laughs> thinking that, well, the monster was is within him, and that's what made it come to life. And again, I'm not sure if technically it's a twist ending, but it is a huge reveal in the third act of the film. Forbidden you know, Planet. There's another movie I didn't really have on my list, but as you were saying that, it, uh, the twist ending <coughs> reminded me, and this movie... Um, that, that we saw kind of reminded me as well of Primal Fear, the Ed Norton movie that did have a big twist ending because he plays two totally different characters. It was That was Ed Norton's breakout role of... Uh, we'd never really seen him in anything before that, and he played a character that was so completely 180, um, and this film, uh, Split, reminded me very much of Primal Fear. And... There's a big twist ending there as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would throw that in the twist yeah. ending category. But that's not one of your actual ten. Did you yeah, just add right that there. one? Oh, Ed it Norton. is. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. Okay. I think I said it wasn't, but it, it oh, wasn't. Okay, all right. So, um, yeah, all right. Moving on. Yeah. Well, I, I put down Chinatown. Oh. And that, I thought, well, that's yeah. my daughter, my father. And my I thought, mother, my yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, but then I crossed it out, and then I put it back in. I think that has a, a twist ending. Yeah. Yeah, for sure it does. Yeah. It has a big reveal. And that is at the end. And so you want to talk about what the big twist is? No, why don't you explain it? <laughs> so, oh man, how do you even explain know, all of Chinatown? I know, I know. That's why I'm letting you do it. There's Faye Dunaway's mom is also her sister. Right. And basically she's been molested by her dad and you're you're confused as to the relationships until that moment, until she finally is smacked around by Jake played by Jack Nicholson. And then you kind of realize, Oh, wait a minute. This, the relationship that you have with your father is also the relationship you have with your husband. And it's, it's all messed up. So anyway, uh, that was like the big, big Mm -hmm. reveal was like, Oh wait, smart movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Another one that was similar to that on my list. Yes. Empire Strikes Back. Where Darth Vader reveals that he's Luke's dad. I should have thought of that. Now, that's a pretty good reveal at the time, right? That's a big I twist ending. I should have thought of that. I sh- I should. That's great, Robert. That's great. Yep. And, of course, now it's iconic. I know. I know. That, but but at the time, no, the oh, audiences yeah. were really that's great. surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? Failsafe. Oh. We shared, I shared the DVD with you a yeah. couple years ago. And remember? I had seen that in high school, but I hadn't seen it in years and yeah. years and years. Is it a twist ending? I don't know, but obviously the whole notion that they're going to an eye for an eye mm-hmm. and to keep world peace, we will bomb one of our own cities, New York City. And it was so that the famous- concept behind the movie is that. Oh, you're right. I should first. A missile has been, a missile is coming over. What, what, uh, we accidentally Actually, launched, yes. launched a missile towards Russia. Is that right? Well, yeah, and then you have the pilots, the bomber planes, that were told to bomb Moscow. No remember, matter what message yes, comes through. Yes, and even the wives get on the phone. A little melodramatic. Right. The wife, Honey, it's me. We've been married. to Our daughter's name is so-and-so. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Don't listen to the computer. And they've got orders to yeah. do it, and they, not, and they turn off the speaker. And, um, and then the only way to preserve world peace... It's really good with Henry Fonda talking to the premier. I love that yeah. with on the phone with the translator and so on as to keep the world peace, the balance of powers that we ourselves would bomb New York City. Yeah. An eye for an eye. So and it was we accidentally bombed Moscow, Moscow. And the only and way to make up for it is to kill we said New York. We're going to kill New York City to keep world peace. And the way it was shot in black and white, no music. Here's your mm-hmm. piece of trivia in that movie. Not one note of music and the camera simply very grainy and zooming in. Kids playing in the um, playgrounds mm-hmm. and this and that. People arguing in the streets and traffic. And remembers it becomes a how And just cuts to black. I like that. That's nice. Thank you. It reminds me of Thank The Sopranos you. ending. Or just cuts to black. Yeah, I know. Mm. Very controversial. Very. Yeah, I know. Good. Okay. This is fun. I'm enjoying this. I like it. I'm liking this more than talking about... About Split? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have... Next. I hope some of these movies... Okay. I have 1994 on here. And what I mean by that (laughs) is basically every movie that came out in 1994. Pulp Fiction had a a bit of a twist ending. Because it was told non-linear. And in the movie ends with John Travolta and Samuel Jackson walking out of the restaurant. But when you go back and think about it, John Travolta dies in that movie because he's shot by Bruce Willis's character. So that's kind of a twist ending. But that's not the real one that I want to talk about. What was the inside one really, the case with the glowing? Mm, okay, that's a good question. Yeah. The real twist ending was Shawshank Redemption, where we're sitting here thinking he killed himself. He killed himself. There's all this lead up to him to. Um, Tim Robbins' character killing Andy Dufresne. He's killed himself. They always, they kind of made you think that he had died. And then he's gone. And it's a twist in that, oh my gosh, he's been digging this hole the entire time. Right, right. And also, I think it was that year, but if it wasn't, it was right afterwards. The Usual Suspects. It's on my list. Yep. Big twist ending. But wait a minute. I'm, I'm lodging a formal protest. What? Well, you have an umbrella statement. You gave a year of 1994. Yes, every film. And you're including... No. Hey. What about the movie no. Seven? That was another big twist ending. What year? The same year? I think that was 94. But you're cheating. How am I cheating? You're supposed to have either five or I went to 10 and you did two. (laughs) But now you've got 15. So wait, I'm cheating because I have another scoop of ice cream? You're you're 
This is very good. Using my analogy with the scoops of ice cream. Shawshank Redemption, Usual Suspects, Seven, Pulp seven, Fiction. There's seven, a lot wait, of was movies. Wait, Seven a twist? Yeah, well, yeah. A reveal. It was a huge re- Yeah, I think yeah. that was a twist. Yeah. That's great. Okay. That's really good. We'll let it slide with your bundle yeah. of, of four or five movies in one year. Um, all right. And we, I also had an unusual, uh, uh, usual suspects on my list. My turn, if I may, although I should be entitled to rattle off four or five, but I won't. Okay. Um, Psycho. Psycho's on my list Is as it really? well. Yes. And you know what? That was my number one. Psycho has such a great twist ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it actually has several twists because in the beginning, we're set up to believe like our main hero, this woman has stolen money from her company. She's on the run and we're with you. Go, go, go. She pulls up into a hotel and then she's killed. You kill the hero of the film halfway through the movie. I know. So the first half, which is so unsettling. Yes. And your main character is now gone, and you have to reassociate with a whole new character, and you almost start to identify with the with Anthony Perkins' character, and it it's all over the place. Norman Bates, I guess, is the, the the character. You start to identify with him. You're identifying with the sheriff. You don't really know where to go, and yet you're never lost. You're never. Uh, without someone to root for. It's like, you know, the sheriff comes in, you're kind of rooting for him, and then he gets killed. And then, of course, at the very end, you find the big reveal, which is that you you think Norman Bates' mother has been murdering all these people, but, of course, it's Norman Bates. And he and has... The way it was shot, too, the way it was photographed. Right. His mom has been so dead for true. years, and he's been dressing up and is psycho. Seeing him in jail. Mm-hmm. There were some flies. Remember, the flies were crawling on his face in the you're last right. scene. It was... Um, that's fun. That's great. We both have that. My next one, Robert, actually, this is my, my last one. Um, no, I have two more, two more. I have a few more. Okay. I've got two. Should I take a Maybe you should go now to even it out. Now, one of my favorite movies, period, has a twist ending, but I have to admit, this is not the biggest twist ending, but it is one of my favorite movies, which is The Road Warrior. The second Mad Max movie they go through all of this fighting. He's fighting off all the bad guys. He crashes the truck, kills all the bad guys, gets out, and the gasoline that he thought he was protecting was never on the tanker. They had put all of it into the, um, into the, the school bus with all the, the women and children and snuck it away, which I thought was kind of a cool little twist there. So all of his efforts were all just to distract. That was it. And I thought that was a kind of a cool. Now, which Mad twist. Max was that? That was Mad Max Two. Right, right. I wish you people could see these huge ass posters Robert has in his home for the last Mad Max movie. Yeah, yeah. I really, I'm a movie. big fan of Mad I know, Max. I know. No, that's that's a real good one. That's. I have another one, and it's a film that I know you've seen because I let you borrow it. Fat Girl. I love that movie. This is a French film. In I case anybody hasn't seen it. It's a uh, very disturbing film about a fat girl and her sister who are, I think the, the fat girl is maybe um, 12, I guess, and her sister is maybe 14, just a little bit older, and they're on vacation in a part of France, and they're talking about losing their virginity, and, and the older sister is really beautiful, and she meets this guy who, uh, who takes her virginity, and the fat girl makes all these comments like, you know, when I lose my virginity, I want it to be to someone that I don't really know, I don't really like, and the parents find out that they've been uh, hooking up with this this guy, they get very upset and they rush them home, uh, cut their vacation short. And on the way home, the 
mother is gets tired of driving. She pulls over into a rest stop, and a trucker comes in, bashes the windshield, kills the mom, kills the older sister, takes the fat girl out in the woods and rapes her, and that's how she loses her virginity. What a fucked up ending. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And this ending just slams in your face, and the last shot is the fat girl smiling because that's how she's losing her virginity. She wanted to lose her virginity in a, um, to someone who didn't care about her, someone that she, she didn't care about them. And it was a, she got what she wanted, uh, kind of moment. And what a fucked up ending, total twist. Yeah. Years ago, you gave me the DVD to watch it and it had quite an effect on me. It's kind of a disturbing film. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice choice. Yeah. I'm down to my last two. Okay. A movie you did not like. We spoke about this, and it still surprises me that you didn't care for it. Fight Club. I, I liked Fight Club. I just didn't love you didn't Fight Club. You didn't go crazy over it. Right. Right. And, of course, the, the big reveal there with the, um, the journey into madness. And, again, the split personality that he was one person. Yeah, I just... And, it didn't sing to me, and I know that I, I can understand why it did to other people. It just, I've, I feel that way about a, a few films, I guess, that just get kind of popular. Sometimes when movies become too it loved, yes. it's kind of like, eh, you know, it just isn't, doesn't do it for me. I, I like movies with a little bit more edge, and that movie did have some it edge. It is edge. watchable. You know, if that movie comes on, I'm never going, oh, I won't watch that movie. It's not that I don't like it, but I don't prefer it. Right. It's not my favorite film. That device has been used before in literature. Conrad did it in one of his novels, too, yeah. about it's really um, one person and a, a journey into madness. Uh, but Fight Club was, I thought it was a terrific, smart movie with a really cool twist at the end. Your turn? Um, Alien had a really nice twist ending where it turns out that they were sent to pick up this alien by the company in the first place. And the right. robot right. that we thought was human turned out to be, I think it was Bishop. No, no, no. Bishop was in the in Aliens. Maybe it was Bishop. Anyway, there was the robot that we thought was human turned out to be a droid that was helping the ship uh, send them so that they could pick up the aliens. I thought that was a really nice right. twist ending that they were basically on a suicide mission from the start. And I think that's a twist ending that most people forget about. I forgot being a twist about ending. it. I for, yeah, I remember it now. But yeah, that didn't that the part didn't stay with me. Yeah, yeah. What else you got? So I got a couple more. Actually. Do you? Yeah. Well, maybe. Why don't you do another one now? Okay, and then we'll go back to me. Um, the game is that one on uh, your list? Should be. It should be too. Yeah. The game has oh, a really. A tw- not- wait, wait, wait! The whole movie is. Is that a twist? Yeah, ending? yeah. The whole movie is one big mind fuck and a twist, but. The ending... Go ahead. I'm it's sorry. Like, this is your movie. You should well, talk okay, about Okay, so the, the, the game is about Michael Douglas's character who gets invited to play this game where his life is basically fucked with by this company who does such extensive psychological testing on him, they know every move he's going to make. And it just becomes more and more fucked up as the movie progresses, and you never know what's real or what's designed by this company, and it just never stops. Uh, it just keeps ratcheting up. And each time you think that he has the upper hand on the company, it turns out that was a design of their own all the way until the ending. And even the ending is, you don't know if that's designed by the company or not. It just never stops. So 
I think I would say that is a twist. Even, ending. And we've spoken about this, Robert, that very last, last scene mm-hmm. where they're in the cab mm-hmm. and she's saying, you want to come with me to the airport? And Michael Douglas kind of looks yeah. like, is this still part? Do you remember that moment? Yeah. And he kind of cocks his head. He gives that really cool Michael Douglas look and boom, then the ending credit. It, it was a really cool ending that still leaves you with a question mark. I agree. With Jefferson airplanes, you know, one pill makes you, you know. The movie that, um, th- there's two movies left on my list. And one of them is the movie that I was going to talk about earlier that you get a different reading when you go back and watch it. And the movie's called Irreversible. Have you seen Irreversible? This is another French movie. And I've said to several people that I've asked to watch it, I I always tell them, like, you can't unwatch this. You can't unring the bell. And there are some really graphic parts to this movie. The movie is told backwards, much like Memento, which is another film that kind of has a nice twist ending to it. But this movie is told backwards, so you you have the ending of the film, and then you go back 10 minutes before that and 10 minutes before that. And the movie begins, which is also the ending, with this graphic beating of a guy in a gay uh, club, like a gay kind of sex club. His face is bashed in, and he's basically destroyed. And you find out, okay, well, why are these guys beating this man up? And you go back earlier, and they've, they're harassing somebody else. They're trying to say, where is this guy? Where's Fred or whatever his name is? And they're trying to find him. And, well, he, we think he's in the sex club. You back up before that. Uh, we need to find somebody that knows where this guy is. Oh, this cab driver knows. Okay, well, where's the cab driver? So they keep backing up, backing up, backing up. You're trying to figure out, why are these guys so pissed off that they got to find this Fred guy or whatever? And you come to find out that one of the characters, his girlfriend has been raped. And the other guy is, um, I think it's, it's her brother. And so they, you keep going backwards and backwards and backwards. And eventually you get to the rape where the, the guy's girlfriend is in this hallway of uh, or like, a, like an underground tunnel underneath this Paris city street. And she's raped brutally and graphically for probably five minutes. It's, it's got to be at least three minutes long where it's a real-time rape, and it is incredibly graphic. It's, um, oh, what's the French actress's name? Um, Bertolucci, what's her name? Mm. Uh, but she's, she's an amazing actress. She does an incredible job in this scene. It's disturbing. It's, it affects you, and as you keep going backwards, uh, you just it's haunting. And I guess why I say the twist ending is because the beginning scene is the ending of the film, but the twist is that they've murdered the wrong guy. The whole time, they've been chasing this guy, the guy is in the room, and you can actually see him in the background smiling and looking on with like such pleasure, but the guy who they finally kill is the wrong person. But you think, well, they at least got this, this guy, and if you go back and rewatch it, you realize, uh-huh. no, they didn't. The whole time, they murdered the wrong person. And that movie as well, the credits also did something very interesting, which were uh, they started spinning as they were kind of going up the screen. So it would almost do like a spiral. It was very disorienting. And the whole movie was supposed to be disorienting. It, it's a movie that you can't forget. It's, it's, you, there's so many money shots in that movie. It's, wow. it's crazy. Irreversible. Irreversible, yeah. Okay, so what's your number one? <clears throat> well, again, these aren't ranked in order. Right. right. But so, so this is my last, the main, but, yeah, remaining one. last of my top ten, as opposed to top 17, which is what you did. <laughs> well, I, I counted 1994 you as bu- one you film. You bundled. You bundled. <laughs> you can't bundle. Jeez. No Way Out. 
We no sp- way out. You, we spoke about this a wow, few weeks ago. A, it came up in conversation. I forgot about and, that. Um, it's a really good movie. What a cast, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> With Gene Hackman and so on. And it was really a, a good, solid film. And it almost didn't even need that surprising last 20 seconds. Mm. It would have held up without that. But they did put in that double, that twist where, spoiler alert, Kevin Costner really was a Russian agent. Yeah. He speaks Russian uh, flowing, fluently, pouring out. And you realize, oh, my God, he really was a, a, a double agent after all. He was a Russian agent. So it was that just sent chills and um, no way out as a really smart twist ending. You know, another good twist ending movie is The Conversation. And that movie reminded me of The Conversation where what you think you've heard the entire time turns out to be something completely yeah. different, uh, which is another great twist ending. I have what was... One of my top choices, I, when I narrated everything down, was my top five. And this last film is one of the quintessential twist ending films, The Wizard of Oz. It has this great twist ending. It was all a dream. And I would argue that is a really nice twist. Robert. And how beautifully done with this black and white beginning and ending and it's kind of like, oh, black and white is our reality. And she has this very colorful dream. And we didn't realize what we were looking at the entire time. But I would say that's a really nice twist ending. One of the first really well done twist endings. I like that. Yeah. What an, And what a nice way to end our list. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. That's why I yeah. saved it for yeah. the last. Yeah. I figured it's probably better to use that one instead of Irreversible. <laughs> if you haven't seen yeah. Wizard of Oz, go see that yeah, movie. Pearl Harbor. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for this week, doesn't it? Yeah, this was this was great. Anything else you want to add? Well, something that I said two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. May I do a quick... Please. You go off on, I'm about to go off on tangents, too. Remember two weeks ago when we were critiquing... Um, we're tr- critiquing... Um, what were we doing? Oh, animals. The um, nocturnal... Nocturnal animals. Animals. And I said I was never a fan, a fan of uh, Jake. Mm-hmm. And then last night at three in the morning... You were jerking off to him. No, besides that. Look how fast a, you said besides that. Like, <laughs> you didn't even try to deny Robert, it. Robert, it was Nightcrawler. Yes. That was a hell of a movie. You did like that movie. Oh, I remember that, you telling well, we me that you liked it. We talked a little bit about that. That was Jake also. So I want to take back my comment that I never really appreciated him as an actor. Uh-huh. Remember I said that. And I want to suck that comment back because I got to tell you. Did that, you say comment? Comment. Okay. Com- okay. Comment, I'm sorry. I, just, I thought I heard that something. That Nightcrawler with Jake, he's really... An accomplished, proven, incredible actor. And I just wanted to correct that <laughs> from two weeks ago. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, if you'd like to send an email, maybe we'll be able to write a little something, something, or put a little something, something in our show if you write something to us. So please feel free to send us an email. I'll try not to stammer. <laughs> I'll try not to ramble, although I don't think either one of us are going to accomplish that goal. You can email me, Robert, at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or and or... Ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Yep. Or you can tweet us at moneyshot, Instagram at moneyshots. We have a plethora of ways for you to reach out and grab a hold of us. So until next time, keep watching movies and we'll help you sort them out. 